Today's episode is brought to you by Grinding Coffee Co., a black LGBTQ plus owned coffee business that donates a portion of every sale to charity. Coffee is imported from around the world and they pride themselves on great customer service for a small team. Use promo code PLP22 for 10% off your order. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. It's Formula One time. We are coming off of a exciting opener in Bahrain, heading right into the Human Rights Grand Prix at Jeddah. So, uh, did, I, did I say that out loud? Yeah, I guess I, guess, <laughs> guess I did. Well, we'll start with some trivia. I don't think there's like really too much news other than kind of race reactions to get to here so the uh, since it is still you know we're, we're approaching the end of march it's still women's history month we're going to do a female-based question here who was the first female driver to score points in a grand prix oh um i know her name but i can't think of hold on i'll think of it was it Lella Lombardi? It yes. Year or Grand Prix? Oh, or... oh man. Um, it was sometime in the seventies. Yeah, okay, and uh, I don't know. I don't know what what uh she finished Grand Prix sixth it was. in the shortened nineteen seventy five Spanish Grand Prix, garnering a half point in the race is that the only time a female driver has scored points in I, F1? I, I don't want to say yes or no because i don't have that in front of me uh i don't think so to be totally honest with you but don't don't quote me on that one we'll we'll look it up after after we record and i'm able to so recapping bahrain pretty exciting Obviously, you know, you and I both kind of watched the replay after the fact, but what do we think? The the new cars provide what we're looking for, maybe kind of, sort of, yes or no? I think they've definitely showed signs that it's going to be good racing this year, mostly based on the battling that we saw between Charles and Max. I thought that was awesome to watch, pretty exciting, and it, it looks like so far that the cars are able to follow more closely and overtake more easily. But we'll have to see at some of the tracks where maybe it's a little more difficult to yeah, overtake. Yeah, the overtaking is the part that concerns me. They're definitely following better, but overtaking is still a success due to DRS. So it's I don't I don't know yeah. like how much we can put on that. But I mean, it's definitely off to a, a better start. We've got some reliability concerns with the the Red Bulls and McLaren, who looks like complete ass right now. Aston Martin looks awful. <laughs> so, <laughs> God, I don't know what else do we want to get to. Is there anything else specific from the race that you want to touch on other than that awesome battle that you mentioned? Um, I guess we'll get at all the people who retired and the fact that 
the Ferrari engined cars look like they are superior to the Mercedes engine cars by a significant margin. I would say a decent margin, yeah. And who knows if it's going to stay that way, but yeah, uh, my choice of McLaren as the potential constructors champion in our preview episode is looking really if, good if, right now. If if things hold like they are, that might be the worst prediction in the history of pit lane parlay predictions. Oh, well, then that would be like a special <laughs> honor, so I'd be okay with that. So what was more surprising to you? Haas getting a top five. Now, granted, it was because of some Red Bull issues. So really, let's just say Magnuson seventh on merit, fifth because he was, you know, in the right place at the right time. Mick finished 11th. Qual- you know, obviously, Magnuson made Q3. Mick didn't miss out on Q3 by that much. I think a tenth and a half or so. So Haas doing well or McLaren being absolutely horrid. Um, I think it's more surprising to me that McLaren was awful because Haas has been saying, oh, we skipped basically, you know, almost two years of car development to focus on the new regulations. So I was hoping that it would work out for them. And it seems like they've gotten it right, at least to be the best of the rest. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely in contention for a, let's say, top six in the constructors standings, but... The one thing I noticed, and I just retweeted it like literally five minutes before we started recording, the Alpine floor has this kind of like triangular cutout that literally looks like part of a throwing star. Like it looks like if if somebody else comes in, you know, there's some wheel banging and they they kind of touch sides like that's going to do some serious damage to to another car's side pod or tire or something like that. Like it looks like a legitimate, you know, we put this here like those like old cartoons where like spikes started coming out of tires and stuff like that. Like that's, that's what it it looked like right there. But uh, I just, just saw that. I thought it was kind of interesting. And I don't think that it was a decent race overall with some good battles. And obviously the raw reliability was kind of the big thing to me. So we're going to skip recapping our predictions mainly because I didn't write them down. So sorry on the, were you busy last I weekend? I don't know. I didn't really have too much. I haven't really had too much going on over the last week or so. So, you know, silly me. But we'll go to driver of the day and disappointment of the day. You're up first. Okay. Um, I think my driver of the day is going to have to be, and as begrudgingly as I will have to admit this, it's Valtteri Botas. <laughs> I did not expect him to basically perform as well as he performed for Mercedes in an Aston Martin. Uh, uh, I mean, he Alf. looked more racy than I've seen He's him in, in a long Alfa time. Romeo. Oh, sorry. Alfa Romeo. Aston Martin. What did I just say? You gave Aston Martin way too much credit. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. And your disappointment. Uh, my disappointment of the day. Hmm. I'm going to say that Lando, I think I predicted Lando was going to have a good weekend, I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly. And I mean, it's hard to blame Lando for what happened. And we'll, I think, touch on what McLaren is going through because I've heard a little bit more about what the problem is with that car. But yeah, wow, that was disappointing. (laughs) All right. Well, 
Yeah, especially Botas was especially surprising because he plummeted like a rock on the start, in typical fashion. <laughs> he had to fourteenth from qualifying. Yeah, sixth, and then he battled right? his way back. Like he didn't do that for the last five years. Uh, so, whatever <laughs> shows you what a good mindset yeah, yeah, does seriously. for him to be the number one at this team. Maybe that's going to make the whole difference. I... I'm going to take a. a hmm, I have two driver of the day drivers of the day that I want. I don't know which one. I'm I'm torn between Magnuson for performing awesome all weekend, not having you know only having one two days of testing. He didn't he wasn't at the Barcelona test, and Joe Guan Yu. I, I guess we're officially switching his you know, name to be the proper Chinese order. So you both. You know, uh, Guan Yu scoring a point on his debut, F1 debut, and Magnussen finishing fifth, I think are both worthy of driver of the day nominations for me. Disappointment of the day, well, if I had to pick somebody, I'm going to pick Nico Hulkenberg, who, I mean, really Aston Martin in general just looks terrible. Like, they... Like you, I feel like McLaren might have like a little bit of a chance of like recovering as the year goes on. Like Aston Martin, like, and I think Shannon said this in our, our group text for a different reason. But you know, Vettel, who has yet to clear F uh, clear COVID protocols because he has not produced a negative test, is that because you know of all the human rights violations, or maybe he's just like this shit sucks. I'm going to take another week off before I, I get back into it. Obviously, I kid there, but yeah, they look really bad. Oh, yeah. Well, and touching on that, I have heard some very interesting rumors about Lawrence Stroll's reaction Ooh, to the weekend. Tell. So apparently, he had a massive meltdown on oh, Saturday no. evening after the qualifying, and it's quoted... By someone who wants to remain anonymous that I've seen that works for Aston Martin, because obviously I think he or she would lose their job if they were known to be kind of leaking this, but that he completely bulldozed the team. I wish I was, I wish I could be a fly on that wall just to see. Cause I mean, we've said before, Lawrence Stroll on Drive to Survive looks like an insanely intimidating man. I would not want to screw with him. And I don't, I don't know, know who screwed up. I don't I don't know. It's probably a little bit of everybody, maybe even him himself, but when you're the boss, you get to yell at everybody. Well, apparently on Sunday morning, the whole team basically came to the paddock with their heads hanging and didn't talk to anyone and hid in the motorhome. And it's been called a climate of basically fear and intimidation. <laughs> Sounds like the mob. So I don't know if that's going to be productive. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to be productive for Aston Martin. Like you said, it's, I mean, he's spending some money on that team with the hopes of bringing it up the order. But I don't know if this is the correct approach to raise or boost your team's morale. No, no most certainly not. All right, what else do we have news-wise before we touch on Jetta? Uh, obviously, there's really not a lot news-wise this week, guys. So we're going to keep this episode short because... I am incredibly exhausted, and I've had a very tiring two days. So anything news-wise we're going to get to? 
Um, yeah, I guess I'll touch on just a couple of things. The first is that James Allison, who is the chief technical officer for Mercedes, came out and said that he hopes that Mercedes can solve its current problems in about two to three races. Um, and he's quoted as saying, what we have ahead of us, the way in which we're approaching the problems and the way in which we'll bring solutions gives me comfort that we'll get back to a competitive car quite swiftly and we'll be able to pursue the objective we have of championships. We intend to put these problems right as quickly as possible, hopefully in the next two to three races. But in any case, we'll put it right and we'll get our car at the front competing to allow us to pursue our dream of championship success. So I think that's good news to hear for all the Mercedes fans or everybody who wants to see another team in the mix. Because if they're that bullish about being able to get that car back up to the front, then I think they're seeing some good stuff back at the factory or the developments they're going to bring. We all knew they were sandbagging anyway. It's not like they're that far off from Ferrari to begin with. So, okay. I don't really care, James, to be totally honest with you. I don't want you to win this year. I want Lewis Hamilton to do well because I predicted him to be the champion, but I also don't really care. (laughs) All right. All the Lewis fans are about to boycott this podcast. I mean, listen, the Lewis fans were going to boycott F1 after last year, and we saw the TV numbers, and clearly they forgot about that. So, you know, relax. (laughs) All right. I I like it. Um, the, The spice coming from you over here. You sound like a true Max fan, even though no, you're definitely not. not. So the other thing is that what I've been hearing and reading is that McLaren's problem is still their brake issue, right? Their brake cooling issue that they had at the test, the preseason test. And so when they changed their brake cooling ducts, they basically screwed up the whole front arrow of their car, which means that they're getting a lot less downforce. And so that's why the car is so slow and so difficult to drive. And so Bahrain is especially hard on the brakes and it's especially hot. So maybe if they're able to run that setup or something closer to their initial design, we'll see McLaren jump up the order at some other tracks this season because the arrow won't be as badly affected by having to completely shift things around for the heat and the the issues that you experience at a track so, like Bahrain. I, I mean, fair. So what you're saying then is, okay, we're either going to be like pretty good at tracks or absolutely awful. So I just feel like, I mean, I'm sure they're working on a solution. Apparently they've overnighted some parts for Bahrain that obviously didn't do anything. I just, I just feel like, <laughs> okay, you know, we're going to be pretty good at some places and absolutely awful at other places is another, like, not good for morale sort of thing. And as drivers, it's essentially driving the same car, but different cars everywhere you go, which has to be incredibly frustrating. So I don't like this approach either. Apparently, it's spicy host episode because everything sucks today. Yeah, there's there's definitely no time for... uh sitting around eating tea and crumpets (laughs) at at the mclaren factory right now they're on it trying to figure out what's wrong because i think even the team expected to be up there 
Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle, or padel as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! you know, at, based on their results at the tests and then they have these issues. And from what it sounds like, they're, they're not experiencing the same issues that Aston Martin is experiencing with just ridiculous porpoising that they can't seem to wrap their head around. So I have more confidence that McLaren is going to get their handle on this issue than Aston Martin. So maybe we'll see some more Lawrence Stroll meltdowns coming throughout the season because he seems to like to throw a tantrum when things don't go his way. I agree way. with you on that one. And I, I can't wait to see a Lawrence Stroll meltdown. I hope we get one like on TV, like you know, they're they're showing like a pit stop or the garage during a practice, and you just see Lawrence Stroll in the background like slamming shit into the wall or like, you know, tossing an engineer across the room because he's not getting his way. <laughs> Obviously I'm exaggerating. I'm very angry today. Yeah, you sound like Lawrence Stroll. Yeah, well, don't worry, I'm not gonna yell at you. I'm just kidding. You, you, I think from the description of what happened with him, it sounds like he was in a rage and that he did it in front of the whole paddock, that it wasn't something that he waited until everyone had left. So he's not embarrassed to show his true feelings. That's fair. All right, so let's preview Jeddah, I guess. I think that's yeah. pretty much all the news. I have the times right here in front of me for the weekend, and they're actually all pretty easy for us in the United States. Uh, hopefully the rest of you in the rest of the world listening have some decent times too, but we'll, we'll experience the difficult early morning times at some other races later in the season. 
So practice one is on Friday at 10. Practice two is Friday at 1. And then practice three is Saturday at 10, while qualifying is at 1 on Saturday. And then the race is at 1 yeah, on Sunday, p.m. Eastern time. That's, that's all Eastern at all. time. I can actually like sleep in in the morning and not like, I don't have to set an alarm, which is super cool. So yeah, they it's did nice. Change a bunch of minor track details. I don't know if you were about to talk about that, but there was some track updates. I am scrolling through the list, and there these are all very minor. Turn two and three, the left hand barriers were moved back to improve visibility. Turn four, apex was slightly adjusted where the concrete barriers are. Same with tur turn 14, turn 16, turn 21, the barriers were moved back. 22 and 24, a smooth face was added to the concrete barriers. I don't know exactly what that means, but like we're just going to pretend we do. <laughs> a smooth face. Like, is there like... Picture. Picturing somebody like looking at you with like a weird wink yeah. on their face or like a, a yeah. seductive I'm... look. Don't quite understand, but like whatever. <laughs> and the exit of turn 27, which I think is where Max crashed in qualifying last year, was widened to 12 meters wide, which is... It's insane that there's 27 yeah. turns. Also, I don't think that, you know, that final corner is really that. It's 12 meters up from 10.5. Like, you're adding four feet. Like, is it really, is it really that big of a difference? I mean, maybe, but... Uh, and they do predict that the average speed for qualifying, which last year was 157 miles an hour, could be even quicker with these adjustments. I guess we'll see. And I guess the only other thing that I wanted to touch on before, unless you had anything else, was the gearbox will change. Did, did we know that before the season? Okay. I don't think we did. Or, or if we did, then yeah. you and I uh, missed it. That's possible. <laughs> So in, in years past, you had to have a you, you had to have practice gearbox and then a qualifying and race gearbox. So a Saturday, Sunday gearbox that is no more similar to how engines you can change, you know, exhaust pipes, ex ECU, the battery component, et cetera, et cetera. That's how a gearbox now works. So there are kind of a limit on the number of gearbox parts. So if you don't need to change the entire gearbox, after an accident, you are not going to be penalized until you hit said allotment. So I guess that's probably okay for the week th this weekend. Maybe it's not later in the year, but for now, I don't think any teams have to worry. With all their retirements that the Red Bull cars, both of them, obviously a double retirement, and then Pierre Gasly in the Alpha Tauri. I mean, we know that they kind of had a, a myriad of problems, but do you think they're going to start? I guess they're going to start going through replacement parts already. That might hurt them. Yeah, later in the I season. think, you know, if it's a fuel pump issue, I, I don't think that affects replacement part numbers that much. I don't okay. think, but you know, Gasly, you know, his car catching on fire. Like, yeah, he's, that's a different story. I think Gasly yeah. is more of the worry right now for grid penalties than the two Red Bull cars. If I understood everything correctly, but, I mean, yeah, it's definitely something to worry about for the Red Bulls if they have more issues in the next you know, two to three, four races. We didn't get that much of a clear picture on what actually caused those retirements. I know we got sort of, oh, it was fuel pump, and then there were some hydraulic or braking issues for both cars. But 
that was pretty much all we got, Correct. right? Okay, so I don't yet have the engineering mind. Hopefully it'll develop over our coverage of F1 to understand fully what went wrong with those cars, but obviously they didn't finish, so that's not a good thing. Accurate. All right. Do we have anything else? Predictions? Our predictions, yeah. Your prediction for who's going to do well this weekend. Okay. And it's hard to... It's still early in the year, so it's kind of hard to figure it out. Yeah. A path to take, so these are going to be more hit and miss. Um, let's say that Yuki's going to have another good weekend and finish in the points. Okay, I am going to say Mick Schumacher has his first F one points this weekend. That'll be Who's cool. Who's doing poorly this weekend? I think it's too easy to say McLaren, so I'm going to go with... Uh, no, I guess it's probably easy to say Lance Stroll, too, but I'm still going to yeah, pick Lance might... to do poorly because Hulk destroyed him, pretty much, except for the, yeah. the ending up in the race results. Like To be out-qualified by your teammate who just got in the car, that's not a very good look for you, Lance. Yeah, yeah, that's also accurate. Yeah, I think that soon will be a, a cop-out type answer, but but not yet. Not yet, at least. Okay. So I will take Zhou Guanyu. I think this track is super tough for those who haven't raced there before. So that's my pick. Okay. Good, bad. Surprise to make Q3. Hmm. Let's say that. Surprise to make Q3. It's kind of hard to pick surprises, but I think maybe Alex Albon. Because what was. Where did he qualify? Like 14th. 14th. So, I mean, so he made Q2. I mean, maybe he'll make the step up to Q3. I, I could, he's the one that I think is on the cusp of being able to do it. He's another George Russell there at Williams where he can pull yeah. it off occasionally. All right. I'm going to take Daniel Ricardo. Total hot take. Really right. could go very poorly <laughs> for me. All right. And we, I think we can eliminate the Willa Haas make it out of Q1 prediction for the year right now, at least for right now, because. The Ferrari engines clearly have pace. So we're going to switch it up. And this is going to be based on average finishing position. Who is going to have a worse average finishing position this weekend? McLaren or Aston Martin or Williams? Ooh. I'm going to go with Aston. Because to me, I feel like neither of their drivers stand out to me that much and all the Hulkenberg fans are going to get angry <laughs> at me about that but I think McLaren's got two really talented drivers and then Williams at least has Albon to carry them up the field a little bit whereas Aston Martin's got Lance and Hulkenberg who really hasn't been in a car so all right I'll take Williams just because I took Ricardo to make Q3 so it would be kind of a stupid of me to take McLaren there all right Again, if you're not in our grid rival fantasy F1 league, it's not too technically too late to join. You're only a race behind, and anything can happen with points, so check it out. My buddy Ryan from college was actually P1 after the first week, so that's pretty cool. I'm still looking to defend my title. I still have hope. I think I'm in like 30th out of 100, so... 34th out of 100. Like yeah, you, I mean, you forgot to pick the double points guy, which like really hurt you. And I picked Mick as my double points. Oops. Finishing P11, which 
was was decent. So not too bad there. All right. We'll wrap it up there, guys. Enjoy the race. We'll be back next week to break everything down and talk about how wonderfully terrible Aston Martin is again. I think that's going to be like my pile on for the year is Aston Martin right now. Anyway, (laughs) have a lovely weekend of racing. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-back training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. 